Hello and welcome to this week's Grape Culture Podcast, the podcast where three women drink wine and discuss feminist literature and issues. I am Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Just so our listeners are aware, we are going to be touching on some sensitive topics this week, uh, including issues to do with um, cancer and terminal illness and also um, sexual abuse. So if you do need to step away from the podcast, now is the time to do so. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the book A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing by Ema McBride. Yeah, we are. Or the play. Or the play. It's, it, it is also a play. Um, two of us have read the book. One of us has read the play. No prizes for guessing which way round it was. It's shorter. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the book, we have some wine to talk about that Kim has picked for us. So, Kim, why don't you tell us about this thing on the table? Um, so, the first, we have two wines. Um, I'm starting with a white because uh, this book is really tough and I felt like um, Sam and Alex deserved a treat. I have chosen the Waterfront, which is a South African Chardonnay Viognier, 2019. The reason I chose it is because a lot of the book takes place in and around water water's quite thematic throughout it but again really i was just looking for a white wine that was tangentially related so we were going to have another wine but we couldn't find it Sam. yes so we were going to have um it was another one of your stellenbosches kim that i know you love so much i do love a stellenbosch yes uh, and it was um a white i can't remember the grape but it was called journey's end and the reason that i was going to pick that for this episode was because uh it reminded me of the title finnegan's wake by james joyce and the book is quite similar to a lot of James Joyce mm. literature it's for reasons we'll get into yeah. yeah and also it was fitting thematically as well yeah like journey's end and all that kind of shit definitely but we've got this we've got this <laughs> um interestingly both the wines that I've chosen today are from South Africa it wasn't actually intended that way but there you go apparently oh, that's the mood I was in um so the waterfront South Africa described as an iconic area of Cape Town the waterfront is a colorful vibrant scene full of street artists and live music the waterfront Chardonnay Viognier reflects that vibe, packed with bright, juicy tropical fruits and a zesty, fresh love for life. Perfect served chills and aperitif, or with light beet fish and seafood dishes. Could not think of a more opposite description. Zesty lust for life, yeah. yeah. Probably doesn't really go with the book. No, but fuck it, because we're going to drink it anyway. I think we need some of that. Cheers. 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 Yeah, I'm not sure about the smell on that. Zesty AF though. The taste is better yeah. than the smell. It is tangy. I did have Prosecco as a pre-podcast drink. This is nicer. I don't uh, mind it. Yeah, it is tangy. Tangy. Yeah. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a Chenon Blanc that they serve in the pub next to my work. And I reasonably enjoy that. Um, Do you think it pairs with the book? I don't think... Really, anyone's going to pair with this book? No, I think um, maybe a pint of seawater might. Mm. Or some ditch juice. <laughs> you know what would pair well with this is a dirty pint where half of it is Guinness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's like in the Ring of Fire. Oh, and Guinness. some of it is Guinness and whiskey and like some of it's some aftershock. Like, weird, like, um, uh, Alcapop. Yeah. Someone's put some, like, not WKD, Babies. like the cheap version from BS Iceland. VKs, yeah. yeah. So um, that's what we think would pair with this book. So <laughs> you may have gathered that we have some feelings on it. Um, but yeah, this wine is good. It is yeah, a it's fine. solid white. So, Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. 
Alex, you picked this <sighs> for us. What I knew it? nothing about it when Why, I did. What, you must have heard of it. What had you heard? I, to be honest, I don't really remember. I think it was on the list when we were initially putting together ideas. And so I obviously added it at some point something to do with work I imagine because I initially meant the play or pitched the play and you guys read the book which I am sorry because it is a lot chunkier (laughs) um and I think we must have discussed it at work in some way or the author or something um also the title for me I quite enjoy it's a good title the title might be the best part of the book (laughs) Um, but I think the title jumped out at me and I came across it at work and was like, oh, that might be interesting because, you know, lead protagonist is a female all about her. Um, and I think that's why I picked it. I'm so okay. sorry I did. <laughs> because I didn't realise, I also started reading it first and had to send you guys a message to be like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so for listeners who may not have heard of the book or may not have read it, um, brief summary, obviously, as standard spoilers apply uh so it's a story of a young woman living in ireland in an indeterminate area and an indeterminate time she grows up with her brother and her mother their father leaves them um, when they're young her brother has a brain tumor when he's very young before she's born he's treated and lives um but then that has various knock-on effects on their life going forward and it's about her growing up with him and then there's another family member that comes into it that has an impact on her life in a different way. And it the book ends with her killing herself. So it's really, it's really a shitter. fucking cheery. Everything that you can possibly think that is an awful thing that can happen to a young girl and then a woman, it happens to this poor girl. Yeah. I mean, she's 20 by the end of the book. Yeah. She's yeah. she's still a woman. Like... A girl. And it, it was written by the author at 27, so she was quite young when she wrote it as well. Yeah, that's when she wrote... So the the book was written in the early 2000s from the thing I read, and then it took Emma McBride to about 10 years to get it published. It was her first novel. She's written... In the, in the interim between writing this and getting it published, she wrote another book, but this is the first one that she wrote. So I think probably the best place to start with this is First Impressions. Who wants to go first? I mean, I obviously really did not enjoy it. I think that's quite clear. <laughs> um, but I like James Joyce. Classic okay. stream of consciousness author. Like, you know, the, the pinnacle of that. I really enjoyed reading Ulysses, even though it took me like six months to read. And I have enjoyed stream of consciousness novels in the past. But I... So it wasn't necessarily the format of this book, which is written in a stream of consciousness style, that I struggled with, although I did struggle with it. I didn't feel like anything that it was saying was anything... New or insightful? Yeah, because I'm, I'm struggling to be like, worth hearing or what I wanted to read, because nobody wants to read about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, it just didn't have an anchor for me like Mm. no part of it resonated with me in any way nor do you and not even really piqued my sort of sympathy the most interesting part about it to me was the beginning when she's in the womb it did give me shades of tristram shandy which i was very worried about but like it was at least interesting and then i guess towards the end when she is clashing with her mum and like the religious side of things but again i was just kind of like it just 
mostly it pissed me off. <laughs> like, okay, why? all the characters were rubbish, obviously, <laughs> and lots of horrible things were happening. And it was just like, how many more horrible things can happen? Mm. How many more times do I have to read about her lifting up her skirt and dispassionately fucking someone? Like, I don't enjoy reading that sort of thing. I keep, like, hovering around saying the word crass. But, like, it was crass in a way that it's not about her being a woman or her wanting or not wanting sex or even that the sex and abuse in the book is sex and abuse. Like, you know, that is derived from this awful thing that happened to her or maybe not derived from this awful thing to happen to her. She makes a, you know, the, the, the central character tries to convince the reader that her actions are nothing to do with her childhood abuse. But it just, it wasn't anything about the character that I necessarily thought was crass. I just thought the writing was crass. Yeah. It's really hard to articulate because it's mm. such a like, it's such a minefield because I'm trying not to be dismissive and I'm trying not to belittle someone who is doing something challenging or... Um, I think sometimes though. Aggressive, but I just didn't, I just hated it. I think sometimes bad literature hides behind difficult topics because yes it it yes, kind it of does. makes you feel bad trying for to criticizing say something it yeah because the topic's so bleak or, or difficult to talk about but then you're like but sometimes the writing is just not good but that's why teenage <laughs> you, you know like we talk about like when we were teenagers and we did our drama like gcse and a level it's like oh my god we're doing like something about abortion and anorexia yeah, and abuse like and stuff like that which we can talk about further yeah. but it's like you kind of you you do that because you're like oh my god we're gonna say this really hard-hitting thing and no one can really question what we do mm. and also like you know we're trying to find our voice in the world anyway like let's throw it out there and do something mental like yeah. i think i think it's probably a similar yeah, thing yeah but it's almost like the thing that people will talk about in this book or the thing that she's hoping that people will talk about with this book is this difficult subject matter with this difficult reading and isn't it so difficult and it really challenges you mm. on every page and it's like maybe you're doing too much it's it's kind of that the lady doth protest much no i swear i'm clever i swear i'm interesting i swear yeah. this is important yeah and mm. actually she probably is well i assume she is very clever i've not got a book published but it was too much. Alex, do you, do you agree? I do. I don't know. I, do, I, I don't think it, the story's quite sunk in for me yet. So I, it's hard because it's like, you know when... And obviously I did watch, I, I did read the play, so it's slightly different anyway. But you know when you watch a play and you're like... And then you come out and people go, what did you think? And you're like, oh, I can't really discuss it just yet because I need it to sink in. I need, a, like, usually... Usually only about three hours to digest something <laughs> and, like, and then discuss it and my thoughts. But actually I read this four days ago and I'm still trying to think what my opinion is mm. because actually for me this is the first piece of literature theatre whatever that I've read or um consumed in some way that is um a stream of consciousness mm -hmm. so I had like for me it is the first yeah. first of its mm -hmm. kind so uh, as much as I am aware that there are novels out there that do the same thing I enjoyed that as a device because I hadn't experienced it before. Okay. And also the poetical language that she uses, I'm really into because I love like standard, like performance poetry and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, I get that. That's really cool. That's nice. Mm. 
I agree with Kim in terms of I don't think I connected with this character enough to suddenly be like, oh shit, this awful stuff is happening happening to her. I feel sorry for her. Like, mm. I wasn't sure what emotion we were trying to feel towards her. And then, like, having read up a few things afterwards, there's, um in the play, there's a preface that talks about how the author was a bit wary of making it into a play because this woman is meant to represent all of us. Like, we weren't meant to give her a face, which is why she was, like, funny about, like, an actor, an actress mm. playing her. And I was like, mm, but really? It's not you. Yeah. Like, there are, yeah? There are no names um, for any of the characters. Yeah. Everything is I, he, you. It's all pronouns. Um, there's no places, there's no time, because she tries to make it, like you say, universal. Yeah, so she, but her reservations were mainly because she was like, no, she is, she is every woman. It's she, fucking, no, she's not. And then I was like, and so reading that as a forward, and then reading the play, I was like, mm, I, I, just, I don't know. She's not every woman, and that's so interesting because I kept thinking about um, just before the year, I read Girl Woman Other, which it touches on similar issues more about you know it's more about race than anything else but um is this the one that, co- that co-won the yeah is it the book no was it the yeah it was the booker yeah yeah it's just interesting because so a lot of what alex was saying the poetical language the the performance side of things the play side of things the every woman side of things i got a lot of that with girl woman other and um it really it, it channels through i think it's about 24 different point of view characters and each person gets a chapter but they're all interrelated and everything's slightly different and it tackles race it tackles abuse it tackles gender it tackles politics it tackles sexual identity it tackles so many different things and like that book i still felt like was for every woman Mm. every person really and then something like this is so I, I don't understand how she how it could be written for every woman, how you're supposed to be every woman. Yeah, I don't think that she's saying though that the, the the themes and the event that the events of the book are meant to be universal events because they're not; they're extreme events. Mm. I think her point is that she's this is how anyone would react, and or this is what, what would happen. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. agree with that either. What but, an no. internal monologue yeah. is like, which yeah. again, I really don't yeah. feel like it. Either. Yeah, but may, I, I mean, I suppose a stream of consciousness consciousness yes but also you know like i'm aware that it's not a unique storytelling method what's your initial impressions samantha um i agree with points both of you like both of you made particularly the fact that it's just layering misery upon misery um and yeah what you made the thing you said alex i thought was quite interesting about how you're not given you're not really given a chance to like this character and not every character has to be likable despite what one of my university lectures oh my gosh me. yes yeah because i wrote I a novel about bollocks. a horrible person and he yeah. was like no that can't be the lead because yeah. because you don't like you don't yeah. like and it's like mm. no i don't think that's the Fuck case yeah. yeah yeah i know exactly Clockwork orange. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like stories that are told from murderer's point of view anyway um so i i think that's true i don't think she was likable i think that makes a difference to how you interact with the book i think thematically this felt to me and this is kind of picking up on something you were saying Alex. this is her first novel and it feels to me like you said like when people are determined to prove their worth Mm. and that they are great at some art form and they immediately take it to the darkest place they can possibly think of 
And I think people do that because they want to prove that they have this depth and this range. And to mm. be fair, some of this, there are experiences in the author's own life that she drew on. So her brother did have a brain tumour. That is like a parallel with her own life. And she's obviously drawing on her own experiences writing that part. But the rest of it, she's been very clear to say this was not my life. And I just... I wonder why then. I I just Mind feel you, like it's why like, would you it, want to tie all of those things It's together? like I spoke about doing GCSEs. None of us had like suffered the way that we maybe portrayed. But like, you know, we all wanted to go there we because did. we wanted to prove that we had depth and meaning. But we did, didn't then spend 10 years trying to make those things happen on the stage. Whereas she spent 10 years trying to get this published. <laughs> do you, yeah, do you know what I mean? But like, like, I, feel, I feel like, and she didn't go to university, which fine. Not everyone goes to university. Like that's not that's not a judgment. It's more like these are things that we learn at university. Is this kind of trend towards? Oh, if I put rape in it, then it clearly makes it really involved and deep, and I'm such a good writer. And it's like, actually, no. You can tell that she didn't go to university because the main character goes to university and never does any fucking work and just. No. There's like nothing. everything is perfectly fine and she goes to university and just gets pissed and doesn't have a job and it has all the sex literally there's never a mention of like there's the first mention of the first course and then nothing else from there and she's still there she's there for like two years well this is it there's a lot of like when she's at school she talks about her grades and she talks about studies and like that kind of side of it and yet when she goes to university, it's just like, nah, she went to the big city, which presumably is Dublin, but it's never actually said. Could be Belfast. Could be Belfast. There's no kind of development of that side of it. And I found myself the whole way through, like, thinking, what the fuck do they do for money? Because it's never mentioned that, it's mentioned that her brother um, gets a job sucking shelves and tries to go into the army and, and is rejected because of his, like, physical disabilities and all that kind of thing. But it's never mentioned about the mother having a job. It's never mentioned about the protagonist having a job. But and do I know, you need that, though? I feel like if you're going to believe in this story, you need elements of realism and not just sad, 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 but sad. But then, like, no, no, I get that. I totally get yeah. that. And you yeah. do need some light relief, definitely. But it's not even the relief. But it's like, just, like, context. if you're going to be making things sad all the time... You need to believe in this world because otherwise there's no pathos. There's yeah, no kind that of... is true. And I didn't. But like, in but, the world. but maybe some oh, consciousness great. from some from something else. But I, I don't think you necessarily need job context. No, but I think you need. A, this is what I'm saying: is you need a, you need a believable world. And because that detail wasn't there, I didn't believe in the world. Okay, yeah, I really didn't Fair. either. Especially because ostensibly they have what a three bedroom house somehow. Yeah, they own a three bedroom house because she makes a point that her dad bought it and then they move. So and then yeah, there's no mention of the mother going to the work. The only thing the mother does, from the sound of it, is go to church. And yes, not everyone like people don't always work, and that's not the issue. But it's just like there's no kind of exploration of it, it, and there's no and her mother's freaking out at times and being like, I don't know what your brother's gonna do. I don't blah 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 blah, and makes this big deal about what a burden he is. But then it's not her side of it's not explored. So that's only one minor thing, but I think it it helped to pull me out of what was going on because I was like well mm." well. she hasn't thought about it so much of it did like so much of the things that just it was the really really bleak version of well of course she's like of course the pretty girl is getting good grades or of course this protagonist in this tv show is somehow going to Yale like it was that kind of thing where it was like there was no Mm. addressing what all of this angst and action and drama and feelings and problems genuine problems like i'm not trying to belittle any of the stuff that is it talked about in the book but no. 
all of this family life and this upheaval that seems to be going on and this this but that's not the that's not the style of the novel though it's a stream of consciousness it's snapshots of someone's thinking even in a stream of consciousness and a snapshot of someone's thinking like we get we get we get enough of the outside world that the Mm. parts of it that are missing are Mm. missing i i do you know what i think what it is as well is obviously i only had an 80 minute play which i don't feel i need that i don't like yes i didn't connect to the character maybe as much and i think i would to be honest if it was performed in front of me i maybe would um but i didn't need that in this version i feel like yeah maybe there is a difference in form in that case um and i think yeah particularly for what is in my head this is it's a one-woman show it's Mm. like the book is it's it's all first person it's all Yes, the stream of consciousness stuff. And in my head as well, thinking about this being put on as a play and looking at the way it was adapted from the book that you've got there. Again, it was very fucking GCSE. Like, I will stand all in black and I will deliver my sad, sad lines. Like, that's what I had as the staging. I, there wouldn't be... Well, it was... No, it you, was... Can't, you can't come up with a set. Like, so, so, so it was... No, it was it was minimal. So the actual yeah, exactly. version, she was wearing pyjamas. Oh, of course she um, was. And... Uh, for the first part, she was kind of faded into darkness. Oh, oh you're gonna like criticize everything now. It's because um, it's not engaging essentially, stagecraft. no, essentially. So, it is a one woman play. Um, it was put on by the Corn Exchange, who I admire quite a lot, and it got five stars in The Guardian. Oh, fuck you, Guardian. <laughs> and to be honest, pretty much every review I found gave it a lot of stars. Maybe, I, I, I just, I do believe that books and plays like this will always be rated higher because they're quote difficult i think the point is that none of us sat here and i think this is a fair thing to say none of us in what we experienced reading this in either format thought that this was worthy of the awards and the acclaim it got maybe not i would really in- I enjoy that's wrong you word. would be interested to see i would be intrigued yeah, yeah yeah so we talked a bit about our, our first impressions hmm. what do you think Emma McBride was trying to do with this book. What do you think its purpose was? Gosh. I think she was trying to challenge anything. (laughs) I don't think that she had a specific approach, a specific message. I think that she was just... Not just. I think that she was trying to make a statement, so she was making several. I think that she was trying to make splash. Mm. Like I said, when I said my like first impressions, I think the language and from reading the play and everything, the language and I think the beauty in the words really got me. I think what she's trying to say is too is too much, and it doesn't mm. hit home. And um, even then, I don't know what else she's what she's trying to say other than cancer is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Rape, wow, rape is groundbreaking. Um, yeah. you know, uh, being raped as a child is bad. Like, Who knew, you know, right? Who knew? And then, therefore, you will probably like be a bit fucked up when you're an adult. But that was another thing. That was another thing that fucked me up about this was this idea and this playing into this stereotype that if a woman is sexually promiscuous, she's in some way damaged. Or, mm, but the alternative that really is pissed that, me off. that it is was, true. It was that which pissed me off, and it was like, oh, okay, so she like the option is sexually assaulted, 
crude or sexually assaulted. Yeah, you have one or the other. Like, that pisses me off in literature anyway. The the other side of it, which Sam, you on Goodreads put something about Lolita in this, which really, really resonated with me because... Do you want to just say what that was? Yeah, so on... (laughs) I will, thank you. Just say what that was. I will, just say. (laughs) So on Goodreads, I gave this a very short review, which was basically like, this reminded me of if James Joyce wrote Lolita from the point of view of Lolita, of the Lolita character. Yeah. Mm. Because it's, the whole point with Lolita is it's this complicated relationship between a preteen and a grown man, but you're never, the way Nabokov tells the story, is you're like, it's, it's love, but it's not love, it's this twisted, mm. weird thing. And that's kind of the relationship she has with her uncle. Yeah. It's, it's twisted and weird. Yeah. And yeah. I, so I've, I really liked that review because... I've read Lolita a couple of years ago and I have very similar feelings about Lolita and this, although I like Lolita slightly more mm. in a way. I'm not sure, but... I know, preferred Lolita again, to this. Again, liked is a word. Um, yeah, I appreciated hard, Lolita. Yeah, to, but, to find an adjective that describes your feelings towards yeah. an awful thing. The, topic. the thing that pissed me off about this was how often she kept being like, it was my choice, I chose this, it was my choice, I chose mm. this. And I was like, like I wanted this, no, I wanted this, I chose this, I wanted I'm like, either that's true, in which case, what the fuck, mm. I guess, is my point. Yeah, but like... like either yeah. it's true and I'm not sure I want that to be... Tr- like, either the author believed that the character chose this, in which case I'm not sure about that decision, or the author wants us to believe that the character believes that they chose, like they're trying to justify it, mm. which I'm also not fine with, because I just, I just, I don't, I and don't like that. I've read a few books, actually, from the point of view of young women, teenagers, girls, having affairs with teachers, and every single one that I've read has this very complicated narrative which is i chose this i wanted this i believed in this and then later on it's like oh no actually i was 14 and that's not Mm. okay and then there was one that i read where she kept being like no i loved him and i still love him i still think fondly of him and i'm like it's just you can't it's difficult though because you don't want to be reductive if you at 13 chose i don't care if you at 13 chose and believed that you were in love with a 50 year old man but that 50-year-old man is not looking at you as a fully grown adult thinking, no. I'm in love with this fully grown adult. No. Like, they are looking at you as the fucking yeah. teenager that you are. Yeah. Just teenager. And I, I've done a lot of <laughs> I've done a lot of research on this because of my masters, which I I did a lot of about literature, about um marriages between old men and teenage girls and, and things like that, because, you know, brain. But it it's squicky. It's, it's sorry what was that word there <laughs> oh my god kim it's it's squicky it's i not... did a master's it's squicky just, <laughs> in it's the not... same breath but squicky is actually <laughs> yeah. in my master's uh my master's squicky. thesis but it's not okay like it's not i find it upsetting to read and look if you want to write that book if you are having that experience and you believe that experience like i'm not telling you how to feel and i'm not telling you what to write but i don't have to want to read it and I don't have to enjoy here's, it. Here's a question. Do you feel that people that haven't experienced something in their life have the right to write it within a fictional novel? I think if people didn't write about things they 
hadn't experienced, then we would have a fuck ton less literature. Yeah, of course. Um, I think that people... a right is probably not the right thing, but you know what I mean. No, I think that people have the right to write about whatever they want to write about. However, they should be prepared for the fact they might not get it right. I don't think that you need to have experienced something to write about it. For example, very few authors, I believe, have written have have experienced futuristic space travel. <laughs> yeah, and also like like World War One. Yeah, like of I mean, course, crazy. We're all there, but, mate. Like, I don't think you need to have experienced something to write. I do think that if you are writing about an experience that is not your own, that is that you know that is controversial or not even controversial just hard and other people have experienced yeah. it there's that's what sensitivity readers are for so bearing that in mind and also bearing in mind what we said about what do you think her point was as a final question before we go to our break why do you think even mcbride chose to take something that had happened in her life that is living with um a brother who was who had a brain tumor why do you think she chose to take that and then pile on so much other stuff that wasn't her experience? I think it was to pivot the story from the brain tumour, mm-hmm. from the male character with the brain tumour about the brother, to the experiences of the protagonist. Okay. I think that she probably went off the rails. I, I don't know. She probably had a mixture of emotions when growing up with her brother um, and, you know, they had the playground scenes and stuff mm. like that. I, I think that's probably quite true and she experienced that. And maybe she did try to find herself in some way and kind of lose... I think she lost herself, maybe. And this was a way of justifying that in her mind and giving grounding and an anchor to how she was feeling without exploring herself completely, maybe. I I think the reason I asked the question as well about do you think an author can write some, about something that hasn't happened to them is also I think you can feel all those emotions when an event hasn't happened to you as well um, and this makes sense of some things sometimes. Yeah, empathy is a thing. Like, yeah, I of course. Agree. Like, I don't, well, I don't have an answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shocker. Um, no, I just feel like if you're writing about to my mind, if you're writing about something terrible that's happened to you or happened in your life, the way to make that thing seem less terrible is to make other something else seem worse. And I think, kind of similarly to what Alex was saying, I can't answer for the author, but if it were me writing about something like this, bringing in elements that make someone else's life worse, albeit a completely fictional character, can help with what you're experiencing yourself. Yeah. And justifying behaviour and things like that. I don't even think it's justifying just behaviour, like, but I think... Justifying like, emotions. Revisiting, revisiting those experiences yeah. can kind of like soften it, I guess. Yeah. In a yeah. weird way, because you're like, well, if I don't focus on the bit about the tumour, I can focus on yeah. the fictional part of it. Mm. Yeah, and even, yeah. Um, so I think potentially that was part of it, but it's a complicated thing. Who knows? So on that note, we're going to take a short break. We're going to refill our glasses and we'll be back with the second wine of the evening, which Kim can tell us all about in a minute. So we're back for the second half. We have got a new bottle of wine. This one is red. And Kim, you're going to tell us all about why that is. 
Oh, I have quite the story for you guys. Oh, okay. good. Well, settle in. Alex has already got a blanket. I have. So I went to Majestic Wine Warehouse and spoke to Jordan. Jordan showed me six vegan wines when I gave him the brief, which I was looking for something a little bit experimental. We basically. do have a brief, always. Yeah, a little bit different. And um, annoyingly, he showed me one that would have been perfect for okay. Cersei. Oh, well, that oh. Was the, whole, the whole label was literally the, sto- the, the story of the Odyssey. For the love of fuck. Yeah, so I I said to him, you know, we're doing something about quite an experimental novel. Um, we're look- I'm looking for something a little bit different, a little bit challenging. And I already have a white in mind, so I, I want it to be a red because I want it to be a red. <laughs> um, and we landed on this Can't one, which is the um, Barista 2019 Pinotage from South Africa. Um... <laughs> we're already ready Jordan described this as well first of all he said it was his pizza wine I, as in he he likes to have it with pizza I was like that's interesting Jordan but, sounds like a tosser nah, he's really nice <laughs> okay fine um, oh, but just he said, for some he vegan said, pizza right now marmite wine like that he recommends it to a lot of people that come in the shop and that people either love it and order like crates and crates and crates of it or absolutely hate Ooh. it um oh, and it was so funny because just after i paid this couple came in this older couple and they were like and oh, we had this barista wine last time do you have any of that in and i was just like oh that's funny because that's my wine so he gave me some um tasting notes which i'll, I'll read out so origin from the val de v wine estate in the heart of the cape winelands where wine production dates back to 1825 okay this is a deliberately modern offering by winemaker bertus Fori who has concentrated on drawing out the coffee-like aromas of South Africa's signature grape. I already don't like it. The taste is intense on the nose with a bouquet of coffee, chocolate and cherry with meaty, savoury hints. The tannins are ripe, perfectly suiting the round and mouth-filling plum and mulberry fruit. Nope. Enjoy drink on its own with or or with red meat dishes. Bertus's recommends a blue cheese-filled brandy snap with chocolate and roast coffee beans. On the back of the the bottle the wine reads a burst of intense rich coffee and chocolate aromas with ripe nuances of mulberry plum and maraschino cherries so i think it's going to be a biffer it's going to be a chunk isn't it i like the shape of the bottle i like how it's narrower at the bottom yeah me too the exact opposite of me i wasn't looking for something that just tasted good i wanted something that's going to be challenging oh god because this book was fucking weird and nobody enjoyed it and uh, <laughs> so now you get to not enjoy this wine. Hooray! I basically said to him, I was like, that sounds great. I'm going to love it. They're going to fucking hate it. I think it's the coffee. That oh puts gosh, me off. it's not... so dark. Ooh, it might be, it might be a like a thick, nice one, or it might be a thick, bad one. Okay, I'm intrigued. So once again, this is the uh, stuff. Holy war. That is. <laughs> oh, it's a strong aroma. <laughs> that is like coffee. That's like someone's made. Oh, you don't like coffee, no, do I don't you? Like coffee. I love coffee. This is going to be a problem. So yeah, it does. Actually, for me, it does smell quite nice. Anyway, right. cheers, cheers. 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 I started you off with the nice white. You did. It's very coffee Holy fuck, that's coffee. That's really nice. Oh my God, it's really good. It's really nice. You can keep that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh Woo! God, I prefer this so much more to the white. This is heartburn in a glass. I like smoky whiskey and strong flavoured whiskey. I do not like this. He oh. said that it was smoky as well. No, I, I hate nice. smoky whiskey. This is nice. How no. weird. 
Oh, right. I'm enjoying this. Wrapped in my blanket. <laughs> with Don't my you go spilling red wine smoking. on that. Oh, God, that would be the worst. <laughs> so, yeah, so for the listeners, we are in the uh, eye of Storm Chiara at the moment, are we not? Yeah. We are. Um, and this is properly made for that. I'm wrapped in a white, a pure white blanket, drinking the darkest red wine you ever did see. Yeah, it's cosy as shit. This is possibly my like most favourite red wine I have ever drunk. Oh my god! I know. I haven't even told you guys the prices yet. This is amazing. I And I would pay it. Oh my god, I would pay it. <gasps> <gasps> okay, so we've got our divisive wine, which you did say it was going to be. It mm. is very Marmite. And in fact, it weirdly tastes like Marmite. I think that's part of my issue. So a girl is a half-formed thing. We've shared our thoughts on it. Those thoughts were not necessarily... Necessarily, necessarily. Those thoughts. Those thoughts. I'm keeping it. We're having it. Um, they were not necessarily positive. <laughs> and now, I would like to hear if there is anything that you did enjoy about the book, Alex. I know you said that you found the poetic language, but I right, can you be a bit more specific for the okay. listeners about what poetic means because that could be that's Wordsworth or Sarah yeah, Kane okay, or fair. whatever. Like there's um, a very broad... so there's lots of half rhymes throughout. It's because it is a stream of consciousness, um, nothing really makes sense. And yeah. that's what I quite enjoy. But yet, it does make sense when you read it. It's yeah. it's hard work. It's it is hard work. But some of it is really beautiful. Some of it I, I, I find beautiful because I go, that sentence makes no sense at all. But yeah, I understand completely what that character feels and means in that moment. And that yeah. is really uh, quite admirable as a right, uh, like for her as an author. Yeah, to be able to convey a story and emotion without actually using the method of communication that we're all used to, I think, yeah. I think is yeah good. And the last page is my favourite. 62 page 62 for me yes page 203 <laughs> in the book um would you like to read the last line then or the last bit that you liked okay well so the last page in the play is go there struggle down we are down 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 and underwater lungs grow flowing in that choke of eyes and nose and throat where uncle did no gone away where mother speak, is death my ears, hold tight to me, will I say. For you to hear alone, my name is water, all alone. My name, the plunge is faster, the deeper cold is coming in. What's left, what's left behind, it is my name for me, my eye. Turn, look up, bubble from my mouth, drift high. Blue tinged lips, floating hair, air, famished eyes, brown water, turning into light. There now, there now. That just was life, and now what? My name is gone. Which pretty much word for word is what it is in the book. And I love, I do like the last page. I thought was beautiful, and I loved that. And I got every single moment that was happening within her death right there. So yes, that is my favourite bit. I both didn't didn't enjoy the last page. Like I enjoyed it. Like you say, like it's very beautifully written, and I I, I know what you mean. Like it's very evocative. Um. I didn't enjoy that because I have a fear of drowning. Uh, That'll do it. Could have done without that, frankly. Um, Did you have any other positives, Kim? um, I mean, I don't think anything Kim said was positive. No, but I meant, (laughs) did you have any before? Other to to what Alex said. 
Uh, I <laughs> Any <did>. brief pluses? <laughs> there were bits that I liked. There were parts of it that I enjoyed. Morbid. But, so the scenes where she was sat with her father, her grandfather's corpse. Yeah. At his funeral, at his wake. Mm. And she was talking to him, and like she stole the little sweet that was in his pocket. <laughs> <Ate> it, <gasps> yeah, that and, was like, cut that from was the play. Weird. Was it? That wasn't in the play. Right, so she, she like she sneaks. So she's at the wake, and it's all the family, and her her uncle is there, and all this sort of stuff. And she's like, "I'm gonna hide away," and she she sneaks into the room where his body is laid out, and she kind of happened. She essentially has a go at him. And she kind of lords over the fact that she's alive and he's not when he was awful to them when yeah. they were kids. Yeah. And then she comes out and she has this like very, it's blink and you'll miss it tender moment with her brother where she's like, oh, I'll sit with him for a bit. Like, like her brother is, is on duty and she's like, no, you, you can't, like, you're tired. It, it's fine. This means more to you. Like, go sit away. And she sits, she, she sits with him and, um, and I really, that was the most, one of the most vivid bits to me was the idea of her sat in this room and then sat in this corner of a room because it's two different moments during the wake whilst all her family, extended family that she's supposed to give a shit about but just doesn't like swirling around her and she's having this moment of victory that she hasn't earned, that she hasn't achieved for herself, but she feels it. She feels this moment of like, I'm yeah. alive and you're not alive. Mm, yeah. And I won and you didn't. Like I stayed alive and I'm a sinner and you're dead and you're not. Like mm. that moment was really, really clear to me for all that the book itself I felt was very confused. So that for me. Um, yeah, so there were a few things that thought I was like, oh my god, it's so ridiculously over overwrought and over exaggerated in its tragedy. There were a few bits that I was like, oh no, okay, that actually that bit's well done. Um, and there was a quote that she talked when she talks about going back home for the first time. Um, Is it the choo choo train? <laughs> no, oh. uh, train clipper clock. <laughs> no, Awful. but I, I enjoyed um, that. <laughs> do you know what trains are? They're not fucking horses, are they, Emma? Come on. But I hate going back to the uh, town where I grew up um, between the ages of eight and eighteen because it's dismal and boring, and you know people get poisoned there. Um, <laughs> I wonder where you're from. Oh, mystery. Could be anywhere. Um, but the she d- writes kind of a description of of the feeling of going back home, and I was like, yeah, that fucking resonates. That one. And it's this bit, so um, so she's on the train, she's going back all over, over there, those houses passing by, those bungalow dot dot dot, my conscience, shall I not do right? It's a cesspit, a sock pool, where all dead go, am I, will I, end up like them, live and drown here, filling my lungs, there's no escape, get out the likes of me, gurgle liquid up, hold my nose, fall in, ah god, shut up, you're only fucking going home, it's not that bad, is it? It's not there, go on, give over with all that then. It's this idea of like, you're going home. You shouldn't feel like this, but I definitely. That's get not that. in the play, and That's actually, really that is so. That is so true. Yeah, but resonating with the last page when she feels like she's. But it's the drowning, the drowning yeah. theme, and like yeah. this comes back to the fact that you picked. 
the water front no but actually when you said the water i was like i was like oh i thought it only came at the end actually it doesn't really no because she goes to the play it's it's in it massively throughout she goes into the lake before the first time her uncle abuses her she goes into does she yeah yeah and that's she she goes to the lake she goes to any kind of i don't think i can't remember as a form like ostensibly as a form of cleansing of escape and she oh she goes in the shower she goes in the shower yeah yeah but she talks about like that the lake's the boot I like I liked that. Um, too I didn't because like, I, I like every time it happened, I was like maybe this is the time that she just goes for a walk, yeah, and finds the sea air cleanser. Mm-hmm. Nope. Goes to a national trust property every single nope. time. She drowns in a fucking lake. Yeah, so that that water thing definitely goes through. I, presumably not in the play then as much, but it's no. a big thing. And then it does tie into that whole idea of faith because. These are very, very devout Catholic people, and she talks about the Holy Joes, doesn't she? Coming around and oh, preaching. God, and there are positives in the book. There are things mm-hmm. that we all found interesting related to whatever you want to take from that. I think we should probably wrap up tonight on something a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. Um, bit fun. Bit fun. And this is not to say we are dismissive in any time of the themes in the book or the events of the book, because these events and these themes, they happen to people. Sadly, it is the case that people are living through this every day and we really should be written about yes and we do not want to say that oh it was sad so we didn't want to read it even though that's kind of how it felt at times but i think we're saying that this was just too much in one go and in too short a space of time and it was too condensed and too intense but before we go when we talk about our books we like to talk about how we would cast this so if this were a, a visual thing so it is already a play it has been a play uh, a one woman play adapted who's it adapted by alex uh annie ryan annie who ryan. was actually a, her husband was a friend of the husband of the author and it was as we said it's a one woman show mm-hmm. um performed by Aoife duffin yeah i think was the actress. Aoife duffin actual in terms of the casting, so when we, if we talk about the four main characters in the book, so the first one is the girl, as she's called in the play. Um, she's, not, she's never given a name, as we discussed earlier. So there's a girl who tells a story, the protagonist, it all happens to her. There's her brother, who, mm-hmm. uh, as we said, diagnosed with a brain tumour early in life. Like He's like three. Um, he's treated, he lives through it, but it has impact on his um, his learning abilities his speech his movement and his eyesight um and then again at the end of the book his um his cancer returns and and he eventually dies um and then there's the mother Mm -hmm. uh who the father of the two children leaves while the mother is pregnant with the girl Mm. so they never know that or she never knows her father uh and the other main one is the uncle, who is the husband of the mother's sister. For any of those four parts, or any of the parts that you thought spoke to you, who who would you cast if this were to be made into a gritty Channel Four <laughs> adaptation? Yeah, because example? actually, I mean, the play it would be the play terrible, is just like we said, a one woman show. Yeah, and the author wouldn't let it be anything other. No. No. But, but if if. Who did you see in your mind when you read it? Did you see anybody? Did you see no? Kaya Skolodera? Is that her name? That sounds like a disease. Um, What are you saying? She's uh, in Skins. She's the guy's little sister. 
Effie. Effie. Effie the one that's in the skating thing on Netflix at the moment. I never watched things. She's in a she's in a film about killer crocodiles. She's in the Scorch the the Blade Runner, not Blade Runner. She's Maze really Runner. slim. Yes, yeah. yes. Maze, she is in, in she is in Maze Runner. Yeah. None of these ah. things mean anything. But okay, yeah. I'll, I'll get. Actually, to be honest, she weirdly she weirdly does look like this woman. Okay. Um, her or the younger um, Fanning. <laughs> what? Not Dakota, the other one. L Fanning. Yeah, she's who I pictured as girl. Yeah, I'd go for her. Um, brother is a tough one because I had an image of them in my head but I don't know who that image is um I was slightly basing it off a young man that I used to work with which sounds weird but if someone like Alfie Allen were gonna put on weight like because I feel like Alfie Allen can do I can I can see that retreated into his own mind kind of antisocial and yeah. there's definitely an element of that in the book um or the guy that was in, um, was who was also in Game of Thrones, but was also in, what's that superhero, Misfits, mm. um, where he was the invisible man in Misfits, who was in, he was Alfie Allen's cutting off of knob in Game of Thrones. <laughs> you mean um, the guy that also played Hitler in the adaptation about Hitler's art? Did he? Uh, yes, he did. Oh. And his name is, ri- ri- oh, oh, there they go. He played... Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey yeah. Bolton. Um, and he was in Misfits. You and Rhea. I mean, he sounds like he's from Game of Thrones, just from his name. Yeah, that's it. And um, that's how, yeah. Uh, uncle. How about Uncle? Oh. Um, I saw someone like, um, I, for some reason, I, like, I know this is going to sound really weird and reductive, but I've, the uncle must have some kind of charm and be some kind of, mm. he's got something. That was another fucking thing. The idea that she doesn't have a father in her life and therefore the first older man that shows her attention, they form this weird oh, fucked God. up relationship. I was like, oh, daddy issues. Oh, fuck yeah. off. Fucking yeah, stop relying on that. That annoyed me. Yeah. Um, I imagine someone like, I can't remember what his name is. He's in Thor Ragnarok with the bald Jack head. Quaid, Anthony Starr, nope. Chase Crawford, nope. Jesse Asher, Tamer Capon, Dominique, blah, 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 blah. Oh, fuck, it was Carl Urban. Carl Urban. Can it's I him. see a picture, please? Uh, he's in um, Thor Ragnarok. He's also in something else. In Thor Ragnarok, he plays the, like, stu... Oh, is it Ragnarok? The one that has um, Kate Blanchett in it? I see what you mean, actually. The kind of, like... He's an older guy. Like Salt and Pepper. That but Salt li- and Pepper version. But a little bit cheeky and, like... This is really good for I'll make you feel... Let's go through pictures of Carl No, no, no. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Anyone else? Got anyone in mind? No, I literally had You'll no one. You'll laugh, confess. Hmm. Colin Firth because I think that he'd be brilliant at it like um, but as older. he is now yeah, yeah yeah as an older guy old older man salt and pepper but still kind of still kind of handsome but like see I yeah Nate so my argument for Colin Firth is aside, like aside from the fact that I think that he's got this kind of salt and pepper he can do villain he can do hero as an older man, like, because he's in The Kingsman and he's in a bunch of other stuff, and he he can play with a little bit of a paunch. Think, and I think that he would have a bit of a paunch, the uncle. I also think that he, because because I know that he Do you mean paunch is in chubby belly? Like, chubby overhand. Belly. Yeah, 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 sorry. But I just wanted I to triple check. the subversiveness for an English audience still of Colton Firth, Mr. Darcy, playing this 
is he Beautiful. a hero, is he a not? Because, I mean, if you read the book, yeah, she certainly like, for a long time thinks that he's going so, to so also, he so also with the play, um, there is no denying that this guy is a shit because there's no pussyfooting around it. So, like, her granddad's dying, or I can't remember what it is. It's either her granddad's dying or... Oh, no, because he rapes her in the toilet, basically. Um, But then um, it's when her brother just gets diagnosed and she's like, please come, please, I I need some support. And he comes and sticks his hand up her skirt or something like that. But then the way that it's told in the book is, like, she... Needs him. She needs him to come and do that. Like she's uh, that. See, that doesn't happen in the play. Okay. Mm. Yeah. In, in so and I and I thought that maybe that's what the case was mm. because like literally in the play it's like shit. I've heard this diagnosis. I'm hurting. What the fuck is going on? Blah blah blah. I need someone. I need someone. I need him. I've got his phone number. I call him. He comes. He sticks his hand up my skirt. Oh yeah, no. In, that yeah, is no, literally no, all it is. Like she's like more involved than that. Yeah. Into, um, which I thought it might be. Yeah. But I think I think what you're saying there, Kim, about there being an actor that seems I think it would be very easy to put an actor in there who plays sleazy roles and mm. be like yeah, he's the bad guy because Sleezo. But putting an actor in like who Colin plays... Firth, who plays good people. Mm. Do you know what? And, and I don't. I, I don't want to say this just because of the Irish connection as well. But I could see Liam Neeson doing it. I think mm. it's the voice. I think I can hear that like yeah. creepy, creepy voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Mother. 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 <laughs> Mother. I picture being very, very angular and very like. Not severe, but just very skinny, neurotic woman. Oh, you um, know who it would be? <gasps> Michelle Gomez. No. Oh, do you know who I pictured? Um, Winona Ryder, but British Ooh, and chain yeah. smoking. There is an actress um, called Harriet Walter. What's she been who, in? She's been in sense, she was in Sense and Sensibility. She played Fanny Dashwood. And she's yeah. in a new Ooh. film. Um, she's in the new film that I saw no, it's funny, with Dashboard, uh, someone on Graham Norton was talking about her. Um, Tamsin Grieg is in a show with her. Oh, I um, love And um, she would be, like, she would be perfect. She can play Cold Hard Bitch, but I reckon she can also play sympathetic. Also, who's the woman who plays... Um, Helen McCrory would do it. Who's the woman who plays Nancy in Love Actually? The caterer, Nancy the caterer. Oh, yeah, I see that. Um, oh, I don't yeah, know maybe. the actress's name. Nancy I'm thinking, the Yeah, caterer. so Helen McCrory is married to Damien Lewis and she is in... Julia P- Davis. Ju- oh, yes. Julia yeah. Davis would be bang the fuck on. Bang the Basically, fuck on. any... Yes, I can see it. Any definitely underrated English actress, I think, is what we're going for here. So it's been a heavy episode this week. Um, <laughs> we've talked about a lot. <laughs> we have, I think, barely grazed the surface of his book for, for all that we say that we did not enjoy it. And I think we stand by that. There's a lot that you can delve into and we only mm. have a certain amount of time. You can not enjoy something and still believe that there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can believe that there's a lot to rip to fuck. Um, but yeah, so the book we've talked about again and the play is uh, Emma McBride's A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. Uh, so we have to do our usual great culture thing of rating both the wine that we've had this week and also the book. Um, 
the let's start with the book yeah so the okay. book uh who wants to kick off with their rating out of five grapes i'll kick off um i obviously read the play which was an abridged version mm-hmm. um i thought it might be very adapted from what like very adapted but in terms of i thought there might be characters and stuff like that no it is just a shortened version of the book um it's a third of the length of the book yeah um but still using the language that is in the book you're welcome you should have done that and (laughs) i thought we were having to read the full thing anyway Uh, nope anyway i think it's good that we have the balance yeah of course um i am gonna give it two grapes Mm -hmm. because it was hard work. It was not my taste. I think, like you guys said, I didn't relate to her. Um, I didn't feel feel sorry for her is a hard thing, but like in terms of I, I wasn't crying, and I cry a lot, so it was unusual for me to not connect to her. Um, but also her language was beautiful, and I really enjoyed that. So I'm gonna give it to. Fair enough. Kimberly? I also gave it... So I gave it to originally on Goodreads. I think I've had more time to sit with it. I think I like it less. Mm. I think that I would give it two because I think that it tackles such difficult subjects that to give it one seems dismissive. Mm -hmm. But if I was being honest in terms of how much I enjoyed reading it and that's you know i it's not like i don't enjoy reading difficult books um or difficult subject matters i one would probably be about as high as i give it so um for the purposes of this i'll split difference 1.5 grapes 1.5 fair uh like kim on goodreads i gave this two grapes when i finished it i think the combination of the way it was written and the topics made it very hard to read i don't think that can necessarily be too uh, a book's detriment but in this case I think it was because it just felt excessive I think that's the problem is it felt like excessive sadness and grief and some people do have lives that are shit but and then and bad things happen but things happen in between and with this there was nothing in between there was no let up and it was just 200 pages of sad and I didn't enjoy it so I'm going to stick with two grapes because I can appreciate how people might um, sing its praises I'm not one of them. Two grapes. Fair enough. Fair. And the wine. So the first one okay. we had was the water waterfront. Is it just called the waterfront? It's called the waterfront South Africa, I think. And it was a Viognier. Chardonnay Viognier. Chardonnay Viognier. Uh, off of Waitrose. Off of the Waitrose that we got as a... My favourite shop. Filler wine because we couldn't get the one we wanted. Yes. Um, Would I'll... you like to know how much it was? Yes, let's, let's know now. Now! <laughs> look how high it is still not as high as yours mate no because <laughs> I am the highest I'm also sat between two mics so. yeah. um, the waterfront Chardonnay Viognier was seven ninety nine. Mm. Uh, fair it felt like a seven ninety nine one yeah it did it rather, didn't yeah. it? but I think it was still fine and as something that I would be I, I'd pick that up and have that in an evening just with my foods so I, I'm going to go three. I'm going to go 2.5. Middle of the road. Yeah. I think 
Yeah, I think I agree with Alex. I think it, it was, I, to be honest, it was fine. The barista. This is the second bottle of wine we had tonight, which is the red Pinotage. Obviously, it's red. It's a Pinotage. Um, South African 2019 barista from Majestic Wines. Yes. Kim, Mom how much AF. did you pay for this? And how much do we have to pay for this? Yeah. I got this a little bit cheaper than it comes. I bought it alongside another wine. Mm-hmm. And I can't find the receipt. Great. Um, it was about seven ninety nine. <gasps> Fuck off, really? What? I, I would, you were going to say fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, I would pay eighteen I'd quid for this bottle of wine. Fourteen pounds something. I know. Two no, bottles let's... of wine. Alex just said she'd pay over a tenner for a bottle of wine. Guys. Yeah, I w- and for a bottle of red wine as well. Yes, so with that in mind, what would we rate it? Four grapes for me. Four? Mm-hmm. Not, not up to the full five? Uh, I think four because I think the, wi- the white was a bit gross for me. So I think this is... If you drank this on a clean palate. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, which is why four. Um, at the risk of us ending on a negative for you, uh, I also think that it would be about four, three point five maybe, four, um, because at that price for this quality of wine, because I think that it is a very good quality of wine, um, it's definitely making me really drunk. <laughs> yeah, the hair's come out. It's I'm pretty hard. pissed. Yeah, to be it fair. really has. Yeah, it's hard to drink, but in a good way. Like it's the perfect dinner party wine in that sense, where you only have a glass each. Like it's that kind of wine, mm. and that. Mm. I don't agree with this as a pizza wine. Just on your own. Yeah, no, I would not. Yeah. I would not. Be this is not a lonely not pizza at all. wine. But you know what it is, though. It's a um. It's like a slightly bougie steak dinner wine. I think boosted by the price. It's a four. It's a four. Okay. Um, so I tried this. I couldn't finish my glass because <laughs> I did not like it. That is not... I can appreciate that it is a very rich and a very flavourful wine. And if those are the flavours you like, then you are fucking sold. Like, Sorted, I mate. I can see how it would be good, but I just couldn't drink it. And I'm drinking Prosecco instead. So... I like, if I'm going to have a red wine, I don't want the coffee note. I don't want the bitterness. I want fruit. I want blackberry. I want that side of things. Yes. And we're we're quite different. Whereas Kim's just like, yes, full rich flavours. Yes, all of them. Um, So it's difficult because I, from an enjoyment perspective, it's like, it is like the book. And I think this is a good Mm. choice because from an enjoyment perspective, (laughs) I don't want to rate it highly, but from an appreciation of what it does, I probably want to give it a bit more, but I'm going to give it a two just because I couldn't finish it. I think that's I actually think that is generous. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because I can appreciate the the wine. So that brings us to the end of the show this week. Uh, If you'd like listening to Grape Culture this week, maybe give us a review if you're listening on iTunes or on Apple. Give us a rating out of five because we love to know what you think. And we're egomaniacs and we love a good five. True that. True that. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We're over on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can check out our website where we've got show notes and links for you to potentially buy the wine that we've talked about today. And the website address is www.grapeculturepodcast.co 
don't forget to come back in two weeks we'll have a brand new episode for you and next time because we're in 2020 the roaring 20s all over again Woo-hoo! it's going to be about flappers yeah we're all doing jazz hands you can't see you can't see it yes um so please come back then and we look forward to you joining us next time bye, bye.